Hi, this is Brady Summers. I'm FireEye CTO, uh, and I'd like to welcome you to the FireEye Eye on Security podcast. Um, you know, we've been doing these podcasts now for uh, well over a year, and our most popular of those podcasts, not surprisingly, has been our interview with uh, Kevin Mandia, my boss and FireEye CEO, who I talked to last June as he was just coming into the role. So we're now uh, one year into Kevin being CEO of FireEye, and really excited to welcome him back to the podcast. So Kevin, thanks for joining us. And Grady, I realized that the prerequisite for us doing a podcast is that you just got off a red-eye flight. So thanks for doing yeah. it yet again. Yeah, I know you had a late night as well, but uh, this, is, this is fun stuff to talk about. So looking forward to chatting for a few minutes. Um, so like I said there in the intro, Kevin, you know, you were just almost exactly one year uh, since you took mm-hmm. over as FireEye CEO. Uh, looking back on that year, I mean, what would you, if you had to summarize, what's the greatest accomplishment um, in that year? Uh, uh, you know, first, I think great accomplishments uh, take a lot of time. And I think the one that I thought about the most and I'm the most impressed by is that we unified our product roadmap. And I don't think that happened overnight. You know, the unification of the product roadmap, I remember when Jason Martin was uh, given the keys for running engineering in January of 2016, it was like, 10 different companies over there. I remember at one point, I'll get these numbers wrong, I felt like there was 11 interfaces for eight products. And I've seen, you know, an HX deployment where there was a guy in a swivel chair looking at two screens for one of our products because you you just used multiple interfaces. You look at our organization, it's very complex. You look at the heritage of our organization, it was sandbox appliance. But we have all these expertise that are so broad to come up with a roadmap and then I think get inertia behind it and belief behind it takes time. And I think it was in June of last year, it might have been July actually, Dean Koza and you and and, um, and we had Jason Martin in the room and Ramesh. And we, we went over, here's what we're going to build. And I think even though it made a slide and it took six months to make a slide, there wasn't a belief in it yet. You know, wasn't socialized to 99% are going to take this hill. And I don't know if you ever get to 99%. But I feel like today, we know what we're building. And I, I really like the launch of Helix, how we got that done. I think if somebody told me in June of last year, we're going to launch something like Helix in November, I might have bet against us. And I think I would have, actually. And I know I hate saying that, but it just seemed like an awful lot of stuff to do in a very short period of time. So I'd say unification of product roadmap and the inertia, the, the, the people that believe in it, it just keeps building. That to me is, has been our best accomplishment yeah. in the last year. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And in that, I mean, you talked about the fact that it takes time and there are obstacles to overcome. I mean, what was the biggest challenge from your perspective as we worked that over the last year? Well, and by the way, when you say one, I always feel you know, there's other great accomplishments too. I can't help but say a few others. I think, uh, yeah. you know, the Mandian consultant still owning the breach. That's impressive. When you go back to, you know, before the transaction, I always was, and everybody thinks about how do you take a product org and a, and a services heavy org and how do they get culturally together uh, and how do they perform? And I think that, uh, again, another year went by where every headline I was reading uh, we were yeah. there. That's a good thing. So, biggest challenges, man. And you know, I just how, add how to long Kevin on that yeah. on that accomplishment. Um, yeah, you're still right about Mandy. I mean, 
Mandiant was acquired uh, by FireEye about three and a half years ago, and at the time, you know, there was a, the competition in the IR space was was only intensifying, um, and we often wondered, like, can FireEye, can Mandiant continue to to own that moment of the breach? And it's impressive. Right. Just over the last year, we I think we did the biggest instant response engagement in the company's history, um, yep. just several months ago. So it's it's been incredible work by that team for sure. Yep. No, it, it's yeah, always challenge. Uh, yep, the challenges. A lot of ways to frame the challenges. And the first question I have is, Grady, how much time do we have? <laughs> you know, I have a natural <laughs> tendency to fixate on challenges. I firmly believe that what you do right proves itself. What makes a job fun is actually the obstacles that are presented to you along the way. Could you imagine showing up to work and there aren't challenges? You go somewhere else. I mean, that's why we work. We want to have challenges in our face, and then we want to find a way to maneuver it. You know, and get around it or get over it, get through it. To me, one that's going to take a lot of time, I, I started, and by the way, I can answer this in a million different ways, but I'll do this one. One of the challenges I had is I feel like, you know, we had a negative Wall Street sentiment on this company. And I think you always have that when you have, uh, you know, stock performance like we had had. Whether there were things inside our control or not is immaterial. If you have, stock go from 90-something dollars a share down to 10, there's going to be folks on Wall Street that aren't very happy. And I, and I, think, I think I firmly believe the only way to address that is you got to do what you say you're going to do. And, you know, we had a little miss in, in Q4, so now we're back to starting that rapport. But what I'm getting at is managing Wall Street's perception of us is a new challenge for me. I'd never had to do it before. So I think that's why that's the first one I thought of when you asked that question. Also, we had channel and partners, and we have to manage their perception of us. And I think that was largely negative a year ago as well. So coming into the CEO role, I knew Wall Street, we got to do some nurturing there, and we have to be consistent. We have to have a corporate identity that they get. We have to do what we say we're going to do. And I don't believe sentiment changes in 90 days. It does on Wall Street, by the way, but don't be fooled. Mm -hmm. If it changes in 90 days in the positive, it changes just that fast in the negative. So I, I, I'm gonna, I do put a little more of my energy into that managing that Wall Street sentiment uh, right now than I have uh, prior to having this job. Uh, yeah. It's never part of the role. On the channel, you know, same thing. We, we just had such an ambiguity with the channel. I thought that was a big challenge, trying to figure out how effective is our channel, how to best work with them. And I'm pretty excited to have Bill Robbins, who's done this before, on board. I think Chris Carter and that team have been absolute troopers for years. But I think we're finally going to give them Endpoint and Helix and something to bring to that channel in a big way, and we'll learn a lot more. But I thought that was a big challenge for us, too, what to do about it, how to manage it, how to improve those relationships. And uh, we're doing a good job there. I, by the way, I could keep going on challenges because I only have page, you know, four pages of them. Um, yeah. But those, those are two I'd never had to deal with before, Grady, you know, at Mandian and, and in my prior experiences. And I think because they were new to me, uh, are top of mind uh, after yeah. you ask that question. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good perspective. So after a tough one, I'll give you more of a, a softball. You know, a few mm. years ago when we talked about the threat landscape, it was very China-dominated, clearly changed mm. a lot in the last year. How would you characterize right. the, the way the adversaries changed? So, it, yeah, great question. I think my first observation is that every modern nation has a cyber capability, and not every nation is going to follow the same rules of engagement. So the changes that I saw in the last year were just like the nation state of Russia changed the rules of engagement after largely adhering to 
patterns we recognized for 20 years. So I think you're seeing a escalation of the professional nation state hacking groups. And it's a little less predictable in cyberspace because I feel like the 90s, we had a run of a lot of criminal stuff. The, the minute somebody was selling 1-800 flowers on the internet, on a Windows NT box, people were compromising it to steal credit cards. We had a long run with cyber espionage out of China, but it was consistent landscape from like 2004 to 2015. We're in a different shift change now. Vietnam's on the map. We're responding to Iran. We got China actually dialing it back, it seems, at least against the United States uh, companies and private sector. Russia changed its rules of engagement. Who's up next? North Korea is getting blamed for everything if you can't get attribution right. So the long story made short, I can't tell you what these nations are targeting anymore. That's one change in behavior. Or uh, it's just harder to figure out what the rules of engagement will be. And by the way, I was surprised that Russia released documents last year. You know, I would not have predicted the Russian government releasing uh, documents stolen from a U.S. breach. Yeah, the predictability things that you mentioned is interesting because it used to be when it was state-sponsored cyber espionage, uh, you kind of knew that the high-value uh, targets a lot of research, intellectual property. And I remember we, you know, we could almost predict, hey, this is going to be the year of oil and gas or pipelines or satellites yep. or high tech. Yep. And boy, we don't have that predictability anymore. Well, the good news, though, is you look at the fire advantage point, the fact that more nation states are acting less predictably I think we're the best security company in the world at detecting the most advanced threats. So it's a story that every CEO I meet actually cares about. What are these nations up to and do I have to worry about, specifically in certain industries like critical infrastructure, healthcare, finance, utilities, they actually care about what North Korea might be able to do in cyberspace. So there'll be a lot of attention in this area. And FireEye is very well positioned with the learning system we've created, you know, learning from the breaches, making sure we innovate to prevent those, uh, and doing great signatureless-based detection. We are well postured to be shields up as we see that threat landscape change. Now, to me, all criminal threats are low-hanging fruit anyway, right? You're going to do, at scale, a whole bunch of attacks. uh, and, And wherever you did get in, that's what you'll try to monetize. I think we're seeing just from our personal frontline experiences, a little bit more discretion behind the breaches we respond to, and they're more targeted. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, you touched on Russia, and I always remember you saying, um, you you know, as a kind of a early on in your investigative career doing IRs, you were responding to a lot of Russia, which was just more mm-hmm. run of the mill cyber criminals. Mm-hmm. But in you know, kind of same actor, different story. Their involvement in the U.S. election uh, was probably the biggest story uh, mm-hmm. of the last year. I'm just curious if that surprised you, seeing that evolution from sort of criminals stealing credit cards to, to that sort of large-scale um, uh, tampering in, in an election. And kind of as you answer that, did it surprise you? But how, how do you think that governments should be protecting themselves from those kinds of threats in the future? Well, a couple thoughts there. Did it surprise me? For whatever reason, I, it, it's amazing. Throughout my career, I've guessed wrong on a lot of attribution. That's why you shouldn't guess. Um, did it surprise me? No. In reality, I think every modern nation will have the tool in the tool bag that alters election outcomes. However, I think it surprised even the Russians the efficacy of what they did. 
I would imagine in Russia right now, there's two factions. There's one that says, that's awesome that we had so much impact and, and that it, 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 it derailed and made uh, the United States politics you know, binary, quite frankly. Uh, yeah. very, it drove a wedge between 50% of the population and the other 50%. And there's another faction, Grady, that's, oh, crap. We didn't think it would get that big. And I don't know which one's going to win out over there. But to the second part of your question, what should governments do to protect themselves from this stuff? I think all citizens of every nation have a high expectation for certain aspects of their government to be well safeguarded. And that's why I think FireEye should do great as the best line of defense uh, for government agencies to buy it. Because no one's going to know more about nation state great attacks than us. We know more about those than any other company on the planet. And we'll rival. Uh, the best intel agencies in the world. And I, I can't imagine, you know, the OPM breach and the attention it got. Uh, you can't be a government agency in today's day and age and have a compromise and do nothing about it. And bottom line, people don't want to see their military hacked, their utilities hacked, their healthcare hacked, their financial systems hacked, and the, all of those entities and then a lot of government agencies are going to have to do a shields up where good enough technology is simply not good enough. Yeah, and also you highlight, I think, in that response, how important like, knowing the adversary is, not just mm -hmm. for detection and to make the lights blink, but like for governments and for all of our customers to prepare themselves. Like if you understand the adversary, you're getting you know the latest mandiant research, you're getting eyesight's collection on a particular actor, it, it just puts you in a better position to defend yourself yourself from the yeah. beginning. You don't mm -hmm. have to wait for that alert to fire. Um, I also thought it was interesting you touched on attribution. You kind of implied it's, mm -hmm. it's harder. I want to drill on I that a little bit because you know, you, I, I think back five years ago, and maybe even three years ago, um, there were certain threat actors that had proprietary tools. They were yep. almost their fingerprint. You sell that tool along with yep. a bunch of other supporting evidence. You could make that conclusion. Is, is it a lot harder now, given kind of the mishmash of tools and the borrowing and the collaboration between threat groups? Yeah, I think the anonymity on the internet is uh, harder to pierce today uh, than before because you just have more volume of actors. And I think the methods, the TTPs are changing faster than they used to. So Group A, you know, would get identified today as Group A. Three days from now, Group A might be so different, different infrastructure used, maybe even different malware used, or they're just using publicly available stuff. Uh, we label it Group B. So tougher to do it. And I mean, WannaCry was a great example of that. I don't think anyone knows who the hell did that thing. You know, I, I went on the record at a conference two weeks ago where I said, I'm probably wrong. I caveated, I'm probably wrong. Good caveat when speaking to Wall Street. They don't like it. But the answer to me was, whoever did WannaCry, um, I, I just don't know how we'll pierce anonymity behind that. And... Uh, and I don't think we know. So you have an indiscriminate spreading type of thing. We're not going to get that right. And then I also believe in the attacks we see right now, there's a whole nother gear that modern nations can hit. We probably see 75 to 80% of the capabilities of the Russian hackers right now. We probably see 98% of North Korea. I'm just kidding. I don't know how good they are. Yeah. But under real wartime is when you're going to see 100% of the capability. And um, I think the attribution at that time is going to be even more complex. It may, you know, it may be obvious, but if you have a, 
at some point in time, this attribution challenge, Grady, we're going to have, as an international community, uh, folks are going to have to sort this stuff out when the physicality of our lives is blending with the technology we use at a level where it could get unsafe uh, for individuals if, if we don't have international cooperation and risks of repercussions to bad actors uh, veiled behind the anonymity of the Internet. Yep, yeah, for sure. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, you and I mm-hmm. both get to talk to a lot of customers, um, many customers mm-hmm. every week. What are you hearing that's top of mind for them when you get out and talk? I want to spend less and get a more productive team. Yeah, That's probably one, you know, we called it last year, I remember sitting around and just saying people want it simplified, integrated, and automated. And I agree. And then higher level of abstraction. I want more productive people and I want to spend less to do it. And there's no question there's a talent shortage. For certain industries, you simply can't retain the security expertise you want. No company has witnessed the following pattern more than FireEye and Mandiant. Company gets breached. We go in, we say, here's what happened, here's what to do about it. That company starts ramping up their security expertise, hiring people in, and three years later, that team is gone already. They're off to the next place where they're going to build it. So... I think there's a talent shortage, and I think that for the companies that are battling this challenge unaided by external expertise, they want to spend less and get a more productive team. Yeah, for sure. And you know, worth pointing out, we didn't uh, we didn't collaborate on these answers beforehand, uh, but obviously the points you just made, mm-hmm. not surprisingly, are key to kind of the way we built FireEye Helix as well, right? It's like mm-hmm. how do we get that cost of ownership down? How do we integrate automation? How do we make it easier? By and, the way, I came oh. up with the productivity one. I was sitting in Jason Martin's desk, and we went through the tap instance at that university in the southwest. And yeah. the whole time I'm in it, I'm like, I see the alerts. I see the data. Screen looks nice. Where's the context? How does this increase my productivity without context? And I think we're a wildly, uniquely positioned company to provide that context and make the analysts very much more productive. I mean... The average analyst at any of the companies we work at has far less repetitions dealing with malware, malicious domains, and bad stuff than we do. And, and man, we get that done right, you will see an energy of customers recommending us to other prospects. Just by getting that contact in, you increase productivity in ways that are remarkable. Well, and worth mentioning, I mean, your push toward that was the reason we made the decision um, a year ago to include that context as part of Helix. Whereas in the past, mm-hmm. it had been a separate thing. You could buy our intel, you could buy the context, you could buy the product. Mm-hmm. Um, you pointed out, we're the best in the world uh, at this. We need to be including it right in the product. And that was, of course, the, the genesis of doing that, the way we did in Helix. Um, but imagine if we could so, automate the first three things, though, that folks do when they see an alert, right? We can already tell you here, we think it's bad. It's commonly used in attacks like this. Maybe even do the who is form. Do a bunch of different things. And then we're making security operations both more effective, but way more productive. And that'd be a, a good thing for us. So, Yeah, it's cool. Like to that point, the way we're integrating, you know, a year and a half ago, we acquired Invotas and we're integrating mm-hmm. that automation into Helix. Um, by the way, just a few weeks ago, I saw the work that our data science team is doing on, I hate to use the buzzword of machine learning, but they're, they're using that approach to actually watch what our FAS analysts do, how they disposition alerts, 
um, and then looking at the supporting data behind that to see if we can start to automate that same type of disposition um, mm -hmm. without a customer having to go make a workflow or create a playbook. And so there's some really mm -hmm. exciting stuff being done in that area. Nice. You, um, you've talked about the fact that like, nobody's really doing security right. Uh, mm. And to some degree, that applies to kind of the enterprise um, or the customer doing security. But I think when you say that, you're referring a lot to the security industry. Um, mm. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? And like, what, what are you expecting from yeah. FireEye over the next year to address it? Yeah, I have a lot of ways to address that. But, but probably at the highest level of abstraction, Grady, you can't solve the breach problem with technology alone. Otherwise, it would have happened by now. And, and by the way, the biggest reason why you can't do it technology alone is because human communications are riding the same backbone, the Internet, that windmills are running, utilities. I mean, we're controlling devices and communicating on the same medium. Because of that communication that's faceless and anonymous, you can't really stop the, the spear fish or spear Skype or whatever you want to call it. The, the way that you can just dupe someone into hacking themselves. But I always believed, and I've heard John Waters speak to this very well, and, and you and others, it's going to take humans and technology. And, and if you can get technology to automate what the humans do, that's going to be better. Uh, but I like the idea of blending it. So we have a platform out there. We get network visibility, endpoint visibility, third-party alerts. We get all this in one place. And our customers can apply their expertise to it, or we can send ours right through the technology itself. And I, I just don't think you can take the human out of it. When you get 4 billion alerts a day in a unique business, yes, you can use machine learning, analytics, rules, heuristics, signatures if you have to, threat data to get down to five alerts that matter, but you still got to use the human. Still there. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's where I think we can differentiate. Give them a platform where the multiple teams of humans across different enterprises can see and take action on the same data, that's a great security platform. Yeah, and it's neat the way all those components can really work together in the platform, meaning we've got you know, the world's best incident response and consulting team. We've got our FireEyes as a service that does the managed service, and then our tech that backs it up. And I always think, you know, from my perspective, um, they should always think of it sort of as a cycle, right? They should be chasing yep. each other. Um, yeah, agreed. Mandiant's out there setting the pace, seeing what the attacker's doing. Faz is operationalizing that for our customers. Our technology mm -hmm. should always be chasing up the chain, trying to automate mm -hmm. what Faz is doing so Faz can move to like more interesting higher order things. And mm -hmm. like all three of those get better if, um, if one is learning from the other. But I can tell you this, Computer Science 101, you program software to automate human process. Period. And, and, and so it's a great innovation cycle to own the moment of the breach, see how technology is evaded, see what processes don't work, get a better relationship with the customers because they take security very serious when under duress. So we learn the market the best way there is to learn a market. And I agree with you. The innovation cycle can start there. And then you have eyesight and the researchers and the worldwide global aspect of that can feed uh, the engineers, great challenges. And if we can productize our knowledge of what we learn on the front lines, we have a great company. And I know a lot of work's going on with uh, the Global Services and Intelligence Group to get that, you know, all these sources of information and knowledge into one place for all of us to benefit from it, the consultants, the Intel folks, the FAS team, and our products, and to make them better. So, uh, yeah, love the innovation cycle you just outlined.
So given all that, um, we'll kind of conclude with a uh, final question. What should our customers look uh, or look to expect from FireEye in the next year? The next year, wow, I can go myopic. I almost dove right into HX everywhere and Helix, Helix <laughs> and but uh, the reality is we want to continue to take the walk with all our buyers and all our constituents that we're not just an on-prem appliance sandbox company, that we are a hybrid-based security company, that we are a solutions company. And that, that's it at a high level. We have expertise that covers a broad range, and we want the world to learn uh, that they can team with us to secure their networks against the most advanced threats. And uh, that's it. You know, we got to keep locking our corporate identity. Uh, and, and I love the mission that we have, you know, that we're going to innovate great technology based on our experiences on the front lines. Uh, we just got to keep doing that. And what will happen over time with that engineering engine innovating things, the products just keep getting broader, more relevant, more effective, and we'll win. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kevin, uh, congratulations on a first year as CEO. Uh, looking forward to, to many more of them, and uh, really appreciate your, your time talking with me today. Hey, thank you, Grady. Take care.